Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are looking at John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, and joining me today is again a guest from the Next Reel. It is Steve Sarmento. Hello again, Steve. Hey, Andy. Great to be back uh, after a, a little hiatus here. Uh, looking forward to getting back and talking about what's going on with Tony Stark. Indeed, indeed. We are, of course, talking about Iron Man Minute 49. On today's show, the minute starts with Obadiah carefully repackaging his golden egg, and it ends with Pepper grimacing at the crazy Jim Cramer. That crazy Jim Cramer. Oh, my goodness. He's an interesting character, and it's interesting to see him in here. But before we get to him, we do have a little bit more of Obadiah and Tony. This is kind of the end of the conversation that they're having in front of the big arc reactor. This is one of those challenges of the minute by minute when that you come into like the tail end of a scene. I had to go back and get the context of, of the conversation because, yeah, we're right there at the the tail end. Uh, but I, looking at this minute, Jeff Bridges, interesting casting of him and this. And it's one that when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's interesting. But as I'm you know rewatching this again and getting this, I thought, you know, he just to me just feels perfect in this role of... You don't really, I don't really think of him as a bad guy, uh, which I think lent itself to the casting on this one. But this, you just get that, the, the greedy side of him that we start to see in this, you know, as he's he's aware of this, you know, Tony's new invention here. And you can just sort of see this, like, turn in him of, we've gone from being the weapons company that doesn't sell weapons to, ooh, we've got something new and nobody else has this. And, oh boy, what do I get to do with this new toy? Yeah, the last minute we had with him, he really seemed eager to get a chance to see this thing and this whole arc reactor that Tony has created, this mini arc reactor that he'd heard about. And uh, now he gets to see it. And it, obviously, he's very excited. And the way that he smiles and laughs, uh, you know, it's, it's a great Jeff Bridges look. Yes. And then he's got that he's got that nice sigh that he does that smile as he looks at Tony, puts his arm around him that fatherly way. Yeah. And gives him that speech, which I think defines so much about kind of who he is as far as this businessman and this whole idea of we're a team you know there's nothing yeah we can't do if we're if we stick together right and, and that whole idea plus the you know the element but you know next time you go do something like this talk to me first right the way that he kind of is coaching him right here i like really well and i i, I like that there's that nod also to the father that you know no, no more of this ready fire aim business and i like how <laughs> Oh, Tony looks at him and is like, oh, that's one of dad's lines. Yeah. You know, it's kind of that nice connection back to his father. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, you see, you know, Stane really, you know, trying to be that surrogate father to Tony of, okay, you've got to, you've got to keep me in the loop on these things. I've got to be involved in these. But yeah, the arm around, you know, using dad's line, he's definitely trying to, to build that relationship, that trusting relationship since, you know, Tony comes back and it wants to take everything in a different direction. It's like, I got to bring him in. I've got to keep him close so I know what's what's going on. And yeah, Jeff Bridges is just perfect in this scene of, of taking that turn of I've got to get Tony's trust. I, I can't have him making decisions like this. I need to know what he's doing so that he, you know, at this point, as a businessman, he needs to know how to pivot the business. If Tony's going in a different direction, he's got to be ahead of the game on that. And to me, that's really, you know, what he's trying to get Tony to understand that it's for the better. It's better for all of them to be on the same page so that he can help 
coach and guide him through that transition of the company. It's it's a great position for this guy who's always looking for an angle. And so yeah. it works really nicely. And it's interesting, especially as we find out later, kind of the, the turn that Obadiah is going to take in the film. So yeah. it's, it's, it's very interesting. Last time you were on, we did a little IMDb game with Terrence Howard, and I thought we would do one now for Jeff Bridges. You feeling oh, up to it? No. Oh no, <laughs> man, Jeff Bridges, you've you got like forty years of oh, stuff. Oh, I know. Okay, I know. he started as a kid working in, in oh, projects with yeah. his dad back in the fifties, and he's still active today. So okay. So Jeff Bridges, right. the four films oh, that gosh. IMDb says that he's known for. What would you say they are? Big Lebowski. Okay. See, this is just insight into my mind. Um, <laughs> because when I think of Jeff Bridges, I'm going, oh, see, that, is that going to make it? Oh, gosh. See, uh, Last Picture Show. Okay. Um, trying to think. Spanning the decades. King Kong. Okay. And um, I'm probably overlooking something really recent, but I, to me, uh, oh, Crazy Heart. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm shooting 25%, aren't I? You're, you're actually at 50%. You got the Big oh, Lebowski okay. and All Crazy right. Heart. Okay. Okay. I will give you a hint for the other two. Of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven films that he was nominated for an Academy Award for in either Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor, they were two of those. Oh, I don't know what the what I, his nominations. I don't have those off the top of my head. Well, they were two uh, two films more recent than Crazy Heart. That's which was two thousand nine. Oh, oh, I think Crazy Heart was that long ago. Time's yeah. going by fast as I'm getting old. I'm drawing a blank at this point. What 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 am I missing? And overlooking the other two films yeah. are True Grit. Oh yeah, and and Hell or High Water. Really. Hell or High Water, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I love that movie, but it's not one that I... Yeah, and that's where the, the algorithm goes a little wonky, I guess, because while I love that movie, I wouldn't say, oh, if, you, if you're thinking Jeff Bridges, that one's coming to mind, or that's a must-see performance that's going to be remembered. I think that film is overlooked and forgotten, and I appreciate that it's on the list but it's not one that i think in a retrospective you're going to be like we all remember him in hell or high water although it was a best picture nominee it was it got a oh, lot of love that yeah. year so okay yeah no but it is it's an interest but again it's this crazy yeah. imdb yeah. algorithm how do they come yeah. up with these who nobody knows? comes up with them but it's, that's it. it's yeah. the internet taking over <laughs> it's completely completely it's random. jarvis right. it's jarvis yeah it's jarvis messing with <laughs> jarvis us. right so anyway yeah, that's our little uh, bit of Obadiah for this minute. Anything else with that little conversation uh, before we jump into uh, our next part of this scene? No, like I said, we're sort of on the on the tail end of that yeah, conversation, right. and we've you know talked about the arc reactor. You know, previously they talk about the arc reactor, all of that. But yeah, to me, yes, it's really yes. this transition point in their relationship, which then leads us into, which is an interesting cut to to make here. In this, where we jump, yeah. and this is something that John Favreau does a lot, and it's it's becoming clear to me as I rewatch this uh, minute by minute that John Favreau really loves his transitions. He likes finding a way to have these fun pivots in his transitions, and in this particular case, we go from this line, you know, with Obadiah talking to Tony about, "I want you to promise me that you're going to lay low." 
And then it immediately cuts to Jim Cramer on his CNBC show, Mad Money, talking about Stark Industries and the craziness of Tony Stark. So it's just it's it's a fun way to transition. And that John Favreau always seems to be looking for those opportunities. Oh, yeah. And it's it's we go from like a quiet moment to a really loud moment with Jim Cramer. Yes. So who's just loud and boisterous and obnoxious. And yeah. And it, it, to me, the other piece is with, you know, Picking somebody like Jim Cramer, it, it really roots it into when you're able to cast somebody like that, that is a recognizable face from, you know, for lack of a better term, the real world. It, it makes an interesting connection to things because when you, you cast real news anchors or TV personalities like this, for me, it, it creates a different feel than just having some, you know, character actor or somebody playing a part to con- convey information. This bridges the gap i think a little bit uh for us when you're able to get somebody like a a jim kramer that is a known personality and to find a way to weave that into your story for me just adds adds a little bonus i I think on the next reel we've often talked about this is sort of like stunt casting where you're you're putting somebody in there uh but here he's playing himself and to me it it works just really well Uh, and it's typical jim kramer i mean i i've never seen his show i've never actually sat down and watched mad money but I knew who he was. So he's clearly one of these characters that, you know, he has a finance show and he's just a crazy character who acts this way on his show. And you just never expected that type of personality to be on a finance show. So it ended up creating quite a surprise hit with everything that Jim Cramer did, including the usage of his soundboard. And we get three examples of that here, where first it's the sell, sell, sell button that he pushes, and then it's the bear button that he pushes and then the man out window button that he pushes. Uh, it's just very funny. If you look at, we there's a, a, a web version of the soundboard where you can play all the buttons and, uh, and hear all the different sounds. It's very funny to just go through it and hear all the crazy sounds oh. that, uh, that he has uh, to oh. use. Oh my. Okay. So that's going to be a thing then you're, you're letting us have the soundboard. So, Pete and I can start using this on shows is what you're saying is we can start using the Jim Cramer soundboard. You just unleashed the bear on that one by sharing that I, thing. I think I did. <laughs> Pete, uh, we're getting well, this soundboard. Well, next time you talk about a movie that everybody hates, you can just hit sell, sell, exactly. sell. Exactly. Oh, that'll end the conversation. Thank you for that bonus treat. <laughs> Well, according to the ticker, it does look like Stark Industries in this world is SIA. And as it as it looks, per the conversation that Tony was just having with Obadiah, as far as the price drop that their shares are going to have, it looks like it's trading at 82.25 now after dropping 56.50 per share. So yeah, it, it, I think, was a, it was a hefty drop. Yeah. Well, Tony predicted, uh, what, 40. I think he's somewhere yeah. around 40. So he's uh, it, it's, it's interesting to find those little details where... In the in the conversation he has with Obadiah, it's like yes, he's made a decision. It's going to have financial ramifications, but to hear to see that sort of follow through just in a little detail and the ticker to say yeah, Tony predicted forty, and it's uh, even a little bit worse than that, which is right, I, yeah. I love finding you know details like that in here. Yeah, I also love the fact that the segment that Jim has on this uh, moment is called Stark Raving Mad, which. <laughs> It's great. You got a name like Tony Stark. Use it in any way you oh, can. Because, yes, when you're writing headlines <laughs> or, you know, the, those little titles, you've got to go for the bad puns because that's just it's so easy. But that that is the reality of if there if there's an awkward or 
pun to be made that's just ridiculous like this yes that's what you're going to see on tv and i love that they they take that embrace it and run with it yeah right right there is more information that we get on the screen we see pepper she's watching this show and she's got some great reactions to the things that uh, that jim's saying on screen and we do see that she is in a different corner of tony's house than we had well it's it, we have seen this room before this is kind of the living room but we're looking at a direction we hadn't seen before and behind her we see this giant vase that looks ancient yes. there's also some slatted windows back there and a big floral arrangement actually there's a couple floral arrangements in the scene now and it looks like if you look way in the back, it looks like there might be a doormat back in the area where there's the uh, slatted windows, which makes me yes. think maybe that's the direction where the front door is. It's really hard to tell because we never actually see anyone coming in or out of the front door. But it's uh, again, just it's, it's a nice example of everything we see in Tony's house and uh, exactly what he's got here. It's a great, great space to live in. So is are there because the internet loves detail and loves things is is there some place out there that somebody has like built out what the layout of tony's house is because i imagine between this and iron man 2 and iron man 3 we get lots of different scenes in his house to see do do we you know i guess for lack of a better term is tony living in the the hotel from the shining where it's like this felt this house does not logically make <laughs> sense or is there enough to piece together this is where these rooms are and the layout is logical and if you left that room yes you would see that room from that angle I'm just curious because I know fans love their details and I didn't know if you had come across or, or considered finding the, the blueprints for the Stark residence. One thing that I learned about people on the internet <laughs> as I researched this is they really do love digging deep. There is a whole group of people who make miniature models of <laughs> movie sets okay and uh, like for you know action figures and toys and things like or not toys but you know like the nice fancy adult versions yes. of some of these creations where they will actually watch these scenes scene by scene and they will find every little clue and every little detail that they can to actually make scale model versions of these rooms so they can have these these figures in them. And I think it was back when we were first in Tony's workshop that I was having this conversation with our guest and and how it's yeah, I just I didn't know that this universe of people existed. So where they're basically they actually do this. They're making like little dioramas finely yeah. detailed based on yep. these scenes. Wow. Okay. I And I came across it because I was trying to find one of the paintings in Tony's workshop. Okay. And it led me to this website where people were trying to figure out on their own what this painting was. And they were then showing pictures of their rooms that they had created. And I was like, wow, I did not know that people had gone this deep down this rabbit hole. Who would think to look that closely at these minutes of this movie? What crazy person <laughs> would do that? Andy Nelson. Uh, that's oh, who. wait. Yes, indeed. So, yes. Uh, okay. It's, uh, it is. So, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't see anything of the first floor. I saw okay. Tony's workshop. Of uh, course. But I wouldn't well, be surprised if somebody's yeah. also done the main part of the house. Well, the workshop's more fun. This is, yeah. There's yeah. there's only a few scenes, I think, up here in the 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 main floor in uh, in this film but yeah so this is uh, i don't know, like the yeah the peppers in this room which 
it's not her office, so she's sort of hanging out, but she's so she's watching TV. Yeah. It just hanging out in Tony's house, I guess, waiting for, you know, what whatever he's gonna be doing. But yeah, I love the reaction shots. You know, just again keys us into the consequences of of Tony's decision and Pepper just sort of watching, like you know, the chaos, the fallout of that. Yeah. She's aware of this is a business; it's got to be, you know, maintained. And she's looking at Jim Cramer, who is, you know, in the public eye, a a good barometer of how things are going. And clearly, he's saying this is a company that's gone off the rails, right? And she's watching it on a. Of course, it's Tony Stark's house, so we've got what big fancy big screen tv and is she watching it on i think she's watching it on a dvr she's watching it on is the she, window oh, it's, it's it's on, on, well she's watching a dvr but you know it's it's the way the windows oh, okay. are so she's actually if you look in the wide shot which we get or the wide of the tv shot we can see that there's the ocean back oh, behind okay. it so it's that window okay. but we do see on that you know she's it's cnbc uh 145 she's got 25 minutes and 26 seconds remaining in the show in LA, we've got a sunny high of 84, low of 62. It's 10.04 in the AM, uh, which is good to know. And also May 4th, 2008. This is an interesting thing that's, I think, worth talking about because, you know, there's this there's this recent Marvel book that just came out, Steve. I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, I think it's like 10 years of Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Marvel Studios, the first 10 years. Uh, this book just came out pretty recently. And in it, they actually give a timeline for all of the films to try to oh, lay okay. out like when these films took place to, to kind of clarify some of the, the things that may not line up quite as perfectly, trying to make it line up. And, you know, retroactively doing so, inevitably, it's going to cause some issues and some things just aren't going to work and they aren't going to make sense. They now have placed Iron Man as taking place in 2010. Ah, okay. So... Obviously, this doesn't work so well when you have moments like this on screen where it actually says on screen 2008. Which is the year the movie was released, 2008. So it would, it would make sense at that time that we would set this movie not two years in the future, but right now. Yes. Right, exactly. Okay. So it's just, it's one of those little things that they go and they make these decisions. And, and again, it largely doesn't matter. It's not like the film comes out with information right at the beginning saying 2008. But you have these little details that the production team puts on screen, and all of a sudden it's like, eh, that doesn't quite line up anymore. Well, what's interesting about that May date is, according to IMDb, Iron Man was released on May 2nd, 2008. So having this, Pepper watching this uh, May 4th puts us really of like, hey, these events are happening right now which i always find interesting when you have to consider production time so you're shooting a movie in late 2006 or early 2007 and having to make sure you're forward dating things and then that right. also gets into issues and i'm there was a oh there was a podcast off the i don't have it off the top of my head but they were talking about props and production design people and i think it was it was the wes anderson one oh grand budapest um, and she was talking about a calendar and that people were actually saying, oh, no, in this year, this date was actually on a Thursday, not a Saturday or something like that. So when you when you get she talked about when you have dates, you have to be very careful to consult your calendar, because if we think about this May 4th, 2008, if the movie was released on a Friday, the second, this is a Sunday. Uh, if that's May 4th, was Jim Cramer's show actually what does he air shows on Sundays? You start to get into yeah, crazy right. details like this of, oh, no, that 
that would have been a weekend that show wouldn't have been on uh right types right. of types of arguments so maybe the 2010 maybe moving to 2010 would would remedy that of course you have <laughs> then you have to be cautious of you know Jim Cramer's show existed in 2008. Fortunately, it still existed in 2010. If something had happened and the show had been canceled, we would have huge issues of definitely putting us in an entirely different universe where Jim Cramer's show still existed in 2010. But fortunately for us, I think he's still on the air. It still works. He's still on the he air. Is, he's right. still, still working, yes. He's still a busy boy, that Jim yeah, Cramer. But that's the, uh, that's the issue, I think, with like headlines on newspapers and dates and all of those things of the risk you take. And, and picking a specific day and time for things. Well, and it's become a much bigger issue nowadays when at the drop of a hat, yeah. you can just go, you know, search the internet for May 4th, 2008, yeah. and it'll tell you what day of the and, week it was. And I wonder the weather. When we were growing up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was it really high of 84 you, you, <laughs> on uh, May 4th, 2008? What was the weather? <laughs> Uh, yeah. And before, you know, you couldn't find that information right. so readily. I remember as a kid, uh, it was a much bigger deal to know like the day you were born, yeah, you know, what you day could, of the week it was to like go back in calendars yes. and try to figure out what day was that. And now it's like, oh, you just Google yeah. it. It's like, oh, I was born on a yeah. Wednesday. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting deleted scene here that uh, I think we should okay. talk about. It, it would be really kind of a transitional scene between these two. It would be Tony coming home after his conversation with Obadiah and then before the scene with Pepper watching Mad Money. This is a scene at night when Tony comes home and it's it's a very kind of dark scene. It's kind of Tony's, I, I guess, reconnection with Jarvis, which is nice to see. But it's it's largely like Tony just kind of reconnecting with his life and getting a sense of what he's missed and you know how many voicemails he has saved up, which is in the thousands and he just deletes all of them and you know he has a, a watch a gift of a watch there laying on his uh, table from obadiah it says tony thank god it wasn't your time which is kind of an odd little note to to get and you just kind of get this quiet scene of tony trying to figure out you know how to get back into life which i thought was a pretty interesting little moment again not something that i felt like we needed but it's a nice moment it does something to the pacing though it really slows things down oh, and absolutely. i can see why yeah. this got taken out because the the sharp cut we have from that quiet moment with tony and obadiah to you know the loud uh, jim kramer yeah this scene coming in between there we we do get again some more about about tony you know deleting everything he's starting new but yeah it just really slowed things down and i don't i think there's other ways we get that information about tony it's an it's an interesting little minute and a half or so but yeah the tone just really slows things down and it between these two moments it just would not have fit in there for me it does give us a clue i think way back toward the beginning of the film when we are first getting a sense of this room we were trying to figure out as we were looking at it if this waterfall or this water feature in the room was actually there or if it was digitally added because it just it didn't seem like something that was really there. But the sound that we yeah. hear here, I, I, I feel like, you know, it was really a feature that they had yes. put in uh, on the set because uh, <laughs> that's one thing with this deleted scene is like all you hear is this yes. fountain. Yes, because they have, it sounds like somebody just sort of off camera reading Jarvis's lines. So when you look at sound for this, it's not the final right. sound mix. And if they haven't put in, you know, Jarvis's voice, they probably wouldn't have put in, you know, the water feature sound. So clearly it is something that's actually present there. 
on location. Yes. Yeah. I was surprised though that that the scene got far enough clearly for them to oh. add all the digital effects of all of the stuff that he's doing on on the screen. You don't see Tony just touching, you know, empty glass, but they've actually placed in all of, you know, <laughs> we see what as he's deleting his email and scrolling through things that yes, all that was was placed there. I'm always curious about shooting those scenes of like here touch the glass like this, does it matter? Are there specific, you know, where are they sort of in production design to say you have to do it in this sequence, you've got to touch here, you've got to touch here, you've got to swipe here, or if it's just touch some things and we're going to, we'll figure it out later on what it looks like. Yes. Exactly. I have to imagine, you know, as always with films like this, with so much being placed later, interacting with things that don't exist and and the challenges that that poses for, for actors, you know, with you, you've got to interact with a touch screen that doesn't exist. Yep. Right. Right. All right. I did, I, I did some digging. Right, right here, and yep, found okay. that on May fourth, two thousand eight, in Los Angeles, California, <laughs> the record high was eighty eight, but the historic average high temperature was only sixty nine degrees. And on that day, actually, the high was sixty five, and the low was fifty seven degrees. Oh wow! So interesting. They're portrayed clearly the Hollywood idealized version of L A, where it's always <laughs> a high of eighty and a low of sixty, and perfect weather for everyone. Right, right. Yes, a little different, but. Uh... Oh, well, what are you going to do? Nobody's paying attention to that information anyway. Except for us. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have anything else for this minute. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, because we're sort of, this is one where we end in the middle of uh, Jim Cramer, right? He's in right, the middle yeah, of his, right? Little. We see Pepper's reaction. And that's where we're going to leave it, I guess. Do you want to come back and uh, finish talking about Jim Cramer tomorrow? I would love to talk more about Jim Cramer tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me again, Steve. Where can people uh, find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Steve 23. And that's where I am tweeting out fun facts about movies, things that interest me. And that's probably the best place to find and interact with me. Of course, you know, listeners here, you know, can find me everywhere else on the next reel. But that's where I'm uh, out there in the interwebs. Awesome. Well, everybody, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.